Welcome, welcome to Freaked Out with your co-hosts, Liz and Landon. What's up, everybody? It is good to be back. I can't believe it's already July and I haven't even gone swimming yet. I know I can't believe it either. It's usually the first thing we do. This month, guys, I wanted to give you a little preview of what is to come. So today we will be covering William Tyrell, a little boy from Australia. Next week we will be covering Anna Nicole Smith. The following week we will be covering the Glee cast. And then the last week of this month, we will be covering part two of The Highway of Tears. The last episode was just the beginning. Things are going to get a little scarier, even in the next few episodes, so you won't want to miss it. Our top patrons of the week are as follows. Jellin Hards, woohoo! JJ Starkey, CF Franco, and Josh Mamo again, woohoo! Thank you. We appreciate you all who have subscribed to the patron side of the podcast. And because of you guys, we are here every week dropping these wonderful episodes for you. Keep on subscribing. It truly does help us provide better content. Now, with that said, I would like to bring the focus back onto William's case. I have had many, many, many people try and get me to cover this case on TikTok. And honestly, I had a hard time connecting to him. I did try a few different methods and it wasn't really working, so I decided to put this case on the shelf and give it a go another date. The more often I do these types of missing kids cases, the more my abilities grow and the more willing the information comes to me. So finally, I'm able to see a little bit more when it comes to William. Let's start off with some of the case details for those of you who do not know about the case. William Tyrell was born on June 26, 2011. He is an Australian boy who disappeared at the age of three from Kendall, New South Wales, on the 12th of September, 2014. He had been playing at his foster grandmother's house with his sister and was wearing a Spider-Man suit at the time of his disappearance. For the first seven years of this investigation, Tyrell was believed to have been abducted. On the 12th of September in 2016, a reward of $1 million was offered as a recovery of Tyrell, and it did not even require the arrest, charges, or convictions of any person or people involved. On November 15, 2021, after receiving new evidence, the New South Wales Police Force renewed the search for Tyrell in three areas surrounding Kendall. Assuming that they were searching for human remains, on the 17th of November, major media reported that Tyrell's foster mother and now deceased foster grandmother were being treated as persons of interest in his disappearance. The police began investigating the possibility of a fall from a balcony on the property. Hundreds of police, members of state emergency services, rural fire services, and members of the communities were searching day in and day out for Tyrell. Specialist police, including the sex crime squad from Strike Force, even became involved. Motorcycles and helicopters were brought in to search. 200 volunteers searched overnight. Hundreds of people combined basically rummaging through rugged terrain around the home and police divers searched waters and dams as well. They put a lot of effort into looking for this little boy. Absolutely. Police searched every house in the estate that surrounded Benaroon Drive several times. Detection dogs were brought in and managed to detect Tyrell's scent, but only within the boundaries of the backyard. After five days, police said that they were unable to come up with any leads. Police cleared Tyrell's family of any involvement in the disappearance 
and initially believed the boy was abducted by an opportunistic stranger who may have had a connection with a pedophile ring. Police also believed that the boy could be alive in the hands of a group of people suspected of pedophilia activity. But it was eventually determined that the kidnapper was a member of the pedophile ring. Investigators have interviewed dozens of people, including a number of pedophiles. A current affair reported that about 20 registered sex offenders were living in the surrounding area of Kendall, where Tyrell went missing. Tyrell was in foster care at the time of his disappearance, which prevented his biological parents from being named for legal reasons. As of November 2021, despite various search efforts and forensic testing, police do not know what happened to Tyrell. In June 2015, Detective Inspector Gary Jubilin commented that the investigation into the disappearance of Tyrell's remains a priority for the NSW News Force. It said that the investigators would treat the case as though he was alive until there was evidence to prove otherwise. On February 20th, 2016, a police spokesperson said that the ongoing investigation was one of the biggest investigations being run by homicide and that they have not given up hope of finding Tyrell alive. On the 15th of November 2021, Detective Chief Superintendent Darren Bennett stated that it's highly likely that if we found something, it would be a body. We are looking for the remains of William Tyrell. No doubt about that. Now, in 2022, so this year, William's foster parents were charged with giving false and misleading information to the NSW Crime Commission hearing about the boy's disappearance. Lots of information from this case, but barely any details of what actually took place. My first question to you is, William Tyrell still alive? I didn't feel him at first, and at least that I was trying, and... That is normally a sign to me that he's alive, but the second time around, I felt that he had passed on. He is still wearing his Spider-Man pajamas. He loves Spider-Man and heroes, and he wore costumes all the time. He loved it all. He had a very imaginative energy. He likes dressing up and being in character. He shows me that he died before he was even announced missing. William Tyrell's foster mother allegedly used a wooden spoon to hit a young child in the head as part of a pattern of ongoing violence. A Sydney court has heard the woman who cannot be identified fronted Parramatta local court today, flanked by her husband and a supporter. The 56-year-old facing two counts of common assault and two intimidation offenses related to a child in her care. The child is not William Tyrell, and the woman has pleaded not guilty. More details about the charges will relate to alleged incident from the last year um, that were also revealed in court. It's alleged that the woman hit a 10-year-old girl in the head with a woman's spoon, kicked her in the thigh, and threatened to break her. Does he remember anything of what took place? He's not alone when it comes to me, which is great. I feel a grandmother, no, a great-grandmother vibe, a biological one, and from what he shows me, she had been with her ever since he passed on. He said that he will help paint a picture for me. He's kind of showing me his memories in the way someone would do, like a movie, that past, present, or future Christmas movie. What is it called? Uh, Christmas Carol? That's the one. 
He's very trusting of me and he's going to show me his story. Now, he shows me that he wasn't in their care for very long. And although he was confused as to why he was there, from the sounds of it, there was some like neglectful reasons from one of the parents and the parents were working towards getting him back. He also shows me that sometimes at his first house, he would go hungry and sometimes he didn't have socks. But he said that he felt loved by his biological family and that he will forever be with them. This is when his life changed, of course. He showed me that he was brought to this home and the other kids that were there warned him of how it was like. He was only three years old at the time and he understood things that he shouldn't understand as a three-year-old. The child was very happy-go-lucky, always smiling, always happy, always running around. He shows me he was a wild three-year-old. He did test the boundaries every single day and he did get screamed at a lot. He did get in trouble a lot as well. He also shows me he had chores like cleaning up after everyone and a few other things that a three-year-old most likely wouldn't be doing on their own at this point. He didn't like doing it and he always would not do it and he said that he would get in trouble for not doing his chores. He even said that this one time he got in trouble for breaking a glass or something and the woman made him pick up the broken glass without gloves or anything. He kept on stepping on broken glass and he cried out. He said that he got dragged by his arm and he also got locked in his room. He said that he screamed a lot and that he banged the door hard and screamed and cried out his eyes a lot too. So he was constantly getting in trouble. Sounds like he had to grow up a lot sooner than any child should have to. And the glass, that is chilling. How the hell did this foster mother even get this job if she hates kids so much? I know the answer sadly, but still messed up. Oh yeah, he's showing me this. And all I want to do is prevent it from happening like I really wish I could. He shows me that he wasn't the only one to get in trouble and that after a while he learned that the quieter you were, the less trouble you got into. He said he did misbehave, but most of the time it was brought on by something this woman was always like finding wrong. She never praised them. They didn't get normal things. They had everything taken from them. He even shows me that one of the foster kids used to get a few dollars here and there and this woman would pocket it. I don't know. He shows me that there was a little boy and a little girl and I feel like there was a couple of kids a little older, but they were always protecting each other the best they could. He shows me that he was one of the younger ones and didn't really understand a whole heck of a lot, but more so now he understands more. He just went with the flow. He said he was very scared of the woman and a few men. Um, I guess the grandmother as well, but he doesn't really talk to her about her too much. He says that there was one guy that was really crazy that the mom used to hang out with as well. I believe that they also had a lot of drugs on their table at some point. He shows me a group of people over in the home at night and him coming out and seeing things, but didn't really understand what was going on. But from what I'm picking up on, I feel like it was all drug related. This child seems like he was better off in his own home where his family loved him, perhaps needed a little bit more financial support and guidance, but putting the child from a bad place to another bad place is more so their job. In the privacy of their own home, I know not every foster care home is like this, but it scares me for what is currently going on behind closed doors for all the other kids. I know. It's terrifying and I don't even know if I can stomach the rest of this story as he shows me. There was one day, and I believe he didn't go to school, but one of the other kids did. 
They may have just finished something connected to school or something along those lines. They were, in fact, visiting the grandmother. Now, he shows me he was watching from afar. He shows me that he was scared because the scary lady was in a bad mood. And I think the scary lady is his grandmother. She didn't want to deal with anything else. I see that these people were being a little rude to her. Uh, maybe a fight even took place in the house. Now, he shows me that he was hungry and trying to get some food. She was screaming at him to get out of her sight. She even hit him with something in the kitchen. I feel like it may have been something she was cooking with. Not food for the kids, though. Herself and her daughter or whoever else was there. She would tell the kids to figure out what to eat often. From the looks of it, they barely had a selection. He said that he had a few older kids that would help him. I feel like he was told to go outside a lot. I feel like he fought it all the way. And I feel like he was screaming the entire time. He shows me he was fighting and I even believe he got locked outside. I also feel like he got into a bit of a physical fight with her. I'm going to say that this is like the mother, the foster mother that we're talking about right at the moment. It looks like it was kind of between the grandmother and the foster mother kind of like going back and forth with him. Now, he wasn't too involved with the other kids at this point from what I can see. And even the foster dad was there, but I believe he wasn't there when the incident took place. I feel like he, when he was, he didn't really do much. He shows me that someone had seen what taken place out off the balcony, and this someone had been the one to inform the police. Was the person who basically initially pointed him in the direction of the balcony situation. They didn't really pay attention to this too much, though, as the foster parents were, of course, cleaning up and clearing up the situation right away. So critical evidence was washed away, tampered with, and removed. Now, he shows me that she smacked him hard, and her being the mother. And I feel like there was an object she hit him with as well. It could have been something like a barbecue brush. I'm not entirely sure. It had metal bristles. He shows me that the impact on his little tiny body sent him over the balcony. And I feel like she realized it a minute late. And he went over and I feel like his neck was instantly broken. I feel like his leg was broken. I feel like he had so many marks and wounds on his body. And the woman did not see him get pushed or knocked off the balcony because as soon as she had seen the foster mother, she went back inside to the house. I don't feel like she had seen anything with the fall either. He shows me that he did fall to his death. And from the looks of it, he was playing around and I can see that. And she kept screaming at him to get down. <sighs> she didn't directly kill him and she also didn't handle the situation well in any capacity. She knew that she had done some really bad things to him and he had a lot of markings on his body. So she assumed that automatically she would be going to jail for basically killing him. So they thought the best thing to do was get rid of the body. I feel like she decided to take William somewhere. I don't believe it was to be back in the house, perhaps a trunk or even a bin. I feel like I keep seeing blue. So he shows me that he didn't spend too much time around her at this point. He said she did call the husband on what to do from the sounds of it and the guy lost it on her. I do see that she was pretty calm during the situation and he was the one freaking out about it. Now, I feel like he had told her she needed to go to the police or something like that. And she said that she didn't want to, so he kept on helping her. I am unsure of what he does for work, but I feel like it's 
early rise type of call, perhaps construction or something along those lines. He shows me that the foster dad took care of the body and he shows me that they had a pretty okay relationship. He wasn't someone who hated on kids and spent time with William, but he also didn't treat him like garbage either. He wanted to make sure that everyone understood that the foster father, although had gone along with the plan of the body disposal, he feels like he's a bit of a victim himself and feels like the listener should give him a bit of a break. Yeah, I can understand how that would be conflicting to us, but as the child sees him as all, the only person who did provide him with some sort of stability, does the foster father want to come forward and say something about it? He does, from what William shows me and from what I can see in his own fears, but he's scared. And from what I can feel, he will keep it hidden and locked away. A lot of work from the police in Australia. Will they be able to solve this case? I actually think that they're getting pretty close to finding the answers. And from what I pick up on myself is that the foster mother is not giving consistencies when it comes to the story. And I feel like things keep changing. I feel like they're refusing to cooperate. I feel like she is freaking out a lot and making even more mistakes. And I know that the grandma's now dead, so they can't really ask her a lot. And they had some information from the grandmother at some point it just doesn't make any sense and although there isn't any evidence of the body to be found i do feel like at some point maybe even as early as this year we will get some answers and perhaps even a charge of murder for the family i also feel like both foster parents will be convicted but one's going to be a lesser charge I even feel like there may even be something caught on camera. I'm just not exactly sure what is caught on camera. Not during the incident, but perhaps a video of what looks like William. But this case will get solved, and I feel like the jury will put the foster mother behind bars. I also see that the foster dad will also get some time behind bars. I don't feel like it's going to be anytime soon. Uh, so maybe within the next four years for us to get to that point. I do feel like they won't get all of what they need to give him the punishment that signifies death to the boy, but it'll be a pretty significant charge to at least put a dent into the mother being in jail for a while. Anything else on this that you'd like to add? I see a woman who will come to a prison where the foster father will be and want to do something pretty exclusive when it comes to an interview. I feel like he will spill little bit of his guts of what happened. It may be a little bit elaborated. I do feel like it won't make a difference at that point. I feel like she will just write his story from his perspective and it'll be released years from now. Does William have anything else to add to this? He misses his family actually and visits them a lot. He said that although they keep on going for his rights and his voice to be heard, the bigger lesson was to straighten up their lives and not allow this to happen to any of the other kids, including his little sister. He shows me that his parents are doing well and taking care of the other kids, I believe. And as for the foster parents, they won't be able to help out with care of any other children. They will also not be allowed to be near children. He said that one of the people involved in this, perhaps the foster mother, will never admit to her wrongdoings or even speak on the matter, but I do feel like she will pull a Casey Anthony and just pretend like nothing ever happened. I sure hope things get solved sooner rather than later. It's already been way too long. All right, guys, a few weeks ago, Liz asked you all to tell us your freaked out experiences. 
Although a lot of you have reached out and gave us some stories, Liz was very drawn to this particular story from Crystal G. She writes, We moved into our current home one year ago last month since then. My three-year-old talks about a black snake in his closet, and my husband saw the tail end of a floating dress go into my son's room one night. Now my son talks about past events in very descriptive details. He's had told us about things happening, and then they just happen. Sometimes within just a few moments to a few days to even a few weeks. A few weeks ago, I had my own experience. I was sitting outside on a swing looking towards... My home, everyone was outside in the sun, had already set. I watched a rather large, bluish-white circular light appear in the doorway. I watched it move from the back door, past a window, then past the next window to the kitchen. I don't feel any negative here, though. I've passed by this home for 10 years, always felt connected. The first time I drove in that driveway, I knew it was my home and felt so at peace, as if it was just familiar and just like I belonged here. We all love it here. Is there something here? Thank you, Crystal, for submitting your story to us. And I want to tell you now exactly what I feel like what's going on in your home. And I think you'll find it pretty fascinating. I'm going to explain everything based on what you and your family see. Now, first and foremost, your son being only three, he's an easy person for spirits to connect to. Kids have this resilience to them, and I feel like they can just pick up on things a little easier without getting... Uh, society's, you know, norms and clouding their own judgments. So he's going to be able to see things a little easier. And if he keeps on practicing, he should be able to see a little bit more as he gets older. So now for the house, let's talk about that. I know that you have your own mother and father. However, this ghost isn't attached to the home. It's actually attached to you. At some point before you were born in this current life, I see that you were a stillborn baby. I feel like the mother and the father had wanted you so bad. And of course, due to issues with the biological mother in the past, she wasn't able to get pregnant. And then when she finally did, I feel like she was almost 42 years old at the time and she got pregnant with you and it didn't last. She wasn't able to carry her baby in her arms even for a moment and she became sad and depressed and I feel like she never really recovered uh, by the passing of you in your very short life. Now when she died she found you and decided to follow you and you to your current life. I feel like she's with you and has been with you for a very long time and has been trying to give you everything you have ever wanted. She also shows me she knew you wanted that house and she also shows me that she had a bit of a hand in making sure that you got the house you wanted. Now once you moved into the home this is where she wanted to make sure that she revealed herself. Now she is a pretty strong energy almost like she had some sort of psychic ability or power. Now she can do things that most people won't see hear or feel. She becomes very visual even to those who can't see and she has long black hair. She loves wearing dresses. She also likes snakes and other reptiles as well likes turtles and bearded dragons. She shows me that she had a lot of money and that she was very rich and she said she wants to make sure that you feel at peace. 
You will always be safe in this home and she will always make sure to protect you. She will always warn you of danger. She thinks you are a great mom and she wants you to know she will always be attached to you no matter what home you live in. She sees how much you really enjoy the house and will keep on creeping you guys out. She likes to scare your husband and she also thinks you guys are a really good match for each other. She is genuinely happy you guys are together. She also says that she messes with the lights and the camera. So if you've gotten anything video surveillance related, I suggest to you to also maybe record some of those things so you can keep them. She also mentioned something about a campfire, taking photos and seeing people in the fire. She also is in the home shadow dancing along the walls. She said she also is connected to you. So if you ever get warm, she's basically trying to cool you down. And if you ever get too cold, she tries to warm you up. A very protective mama bear. Seems to be that way for sure. Thank you for sharing that information, Crystal and Liz. Thank you for answering that. Next week, guys, we will be back on the regular side of the podcast and we will be covering Anna Nicole Smith. I know Liz has been wanting to cover this one as well. Until next time, guys, stay freaked out.